Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Happy to be celebrating episode 499. Uh, <laughs> so this week is the celebration then, not yes. next week. <laughs> yeah. We're the... We're just uh, taking the pressure off. Taking the pressure off. <laughs> exactly. We're not going to celebrate in any uh, rhyme or, or fashion. We're just going to pretend we uh you know whenever you say 4.99 i think like four dollars and 99 cents we're in the cheap bin <laughs> yeah well i mean like it it just seems less expensive when it's 4.99 as opposed to five dollars even like five oh, five bucks oh, i don't know but 4.99 that's where the real stuff is <laughs> not at all true uh but we are going to talk about video games i don't know what you got up to over the holidays video game wise we Hope we we did save that for the show. I see you've got all but nothing written here, so I'm assuming you played a bunch of fantastic stuff that you're going to surprise me with. Not really, honestly. Oh. I just played a lot of Hearthstone. Um, I played a lot of the single player while we were away for the holidays. Um, we went out to see some family um, about four or five hours from home, and uh, yeah, so we ended up uh, yeah just really not having a great internet slash cell phone connection so i played a lot of the single player stuff in hearthstone because you don't need to maintain your connection for that or well when you get disconnected like you don't like lose ranks <laughs> or anything like that it just and there's no turn timers right so it just like if you lose it it just sits there and waits to reconnect so um so yeah i just i played some hearthstone um i played a, a whole bunch of, of ladder as well and and yeah i just I kind of just been really digging into that lately, um, that and ESO. So that's why I didn't put it in the notes, because I'm like, this is just stuff that Jocelyn plays all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I might as well put DVD in there, too. Although I'm playing less and less of that, um, which maybe is is worth a, a conversation. I don't know. I don't want to bore anybody with DVD talk, but Has the balance DVD of the game down or what? Yeah, oh. the balance of the game is really bad right now. It's very one sided. And so there's almost no killers left playing the game. And so queue times for survivors are like 10 to 15 minutes long. And then when you get into games, you're totally rolling over the killers. So the game lasts less time than the queue did. And uh, yeah, I just, oh man, I've, I went from playing for like, from like 9 p.m. until 1 or 2 a.m. multiple times a week to like going and playing for an hour, getting one game and going, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not doing this. So yeah, they're, hmm. um. It's it's been really rough lately, and a lot of uh, killer killer players have been switching over to Survivor, which then also obviously doesn't help the the player balance, right? So, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's just uh, they they're making some changes in an upcoming patch that will make Survivor stronger again, which is the wrong way to go. <laughs> but they're also like bringing all of the survivors up to the same level. So the biggest problem they've had with balance is that like there's a really big difference between being a solo player and being a player in a group on voice chat in Dead by Daylight. And uh, they've always struggled to balance and they've always balanced the game around the solo players instead of the groups and the groups have just dominated. So now um, they're making it so they're putting little icons next to all the players so you can tell what they're doing all the time. So you, you'll be able to see if they're working on a gen or if they're like healing or getting chased or whatever. Um, and then that way it's they're trying to simulate being on voice chat without making people be in voice chat and kind of making it so all survivors have all the same information, which once you do that, you can balance survivors as a group. So I think it'll be good for the game in the long run. 
but there may have no killers left by the time they actually get it sorted. So we'll have to see how it goes. But yeah, that's like, that's more of a what has Jocelyn not been playing <laughs> than what has Jocelyn been playing over the holidays? But what have you been up to? Well, I, uh, I've been doing a lot of, uh, I got a whole list of video games over the holidays. Like I didn't necessarily have more time, but I always fall into this trap of, um, sales basically like games that are on sale games that i've been keeping an eye on for quite a while and then obviously everything goes oh my on God, sale. sales do you know what i bought ryan <laughs> what did you buy i bought skyrim <laughs> you couldn't you should have saved that for t- for tomorrow for next for the next episode <laughs> and then you could well, i guess you have to play it for next episode really this is how I got into Elder Scrolls because I bought the like um, the whatever it was, the the upgrade 10th anniversary thingy mm-hmm. um, on Steam. And I started playing Skyrim and then I was like and I, I paid like I think it was like under ten dollars. It was like seven dollars or something. And I was like, fine, whatever. Again, seven Canadian, which is like the cup of a cup of coffee in the States. Uh, anyways, so, um, yeah, I was like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll just pay for the, I'll pay for Skyrim again. I'll pay for the update. And, uh, I started to play it and I'm like, why am I playing this when I could just be playing a better version and I'm going to go play ESO. So my ESO character is actually getting close to max level. So, um, I'm, uh, I've been having a lot of fun over there, but yeah, I bought Skyrim. So you bought <laughs> sales, right? You bought the 10th anniversary edition of skyrim to then not play it to then not play (laughs) okay (laughs) go and play eso instead so that like let that be a lesson that they're just eso just is a better skyrim so if you're getting the itch for skyrim go try eso (laughs) look i I can't judge and i'm not because i'm sure discord will be like but ryan you bought all these things and you basically scratched the surface of all of them so you say there i did it I, i bought them i played them all (laughs) Um, It doesn't count if you only play them for about an hour each, but I also bought Subnautica, the below zero. Um, I thought it was a like DLC, but I guess it's its own like standalone thing. But anyways, I um... (laughs) you're going to love this. It's on Game Pass. So, oh, my God, (laughs) it's another one that I spent like very, very little money again, like the Steam sale, I feel like was ridiculous. But anyways, (laughs) that's really funny. Um, but I bought it. On, I, the other reason I bought it on Steam is, again, I thought it was an add-on to Subnautica, and it, um, that's where I played Subnautica was on PC. But then, so I played like eight hours worth, um, eight or ten hours worth. I streamed it, but I didn't quite finish it. And um, I went to jump back in my save game, and I'm like, I have no idea where I am in the story or where I'm supposed to go next. I screwed around for like five or 10 minutes. And then I was like, man, I guess I just have to start a whole new playthrough because I can't even figure out what I'm supposed to do, like based on these like journal entries and stuff. And the tech tree was like crazy big at that point. And I'm like, man, I am so lost because I like I hadn't played it since like 2018 or something. I'm like, I'm just completely lost. And I don't really want to do another 10 hour playthrough just to get back to where I was so that I knew it was going on. So then I was like, Forget it. <laughs> Going back to my stuff I always play. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you played eight hours of it. I don't even know if you have to go and do all of like if it's even a, like a continuation of the story. I have no idea. Uh, I played a little bit of it um, on the Xbox. Uh, it seems there is like some sort of story to that game. And um, 
it would be continuing, but I could totally see if you even drop that or, or go back to something else and then come back to it, uh, you could really lose yourself in, in that, in that workflow yeah, I completely, process. Completely lost my place a hundred percent. So I can see that, but you, I want to hear about halo because, um, this is another one I've watched Matt play a bunch of this now mm-hmm. and it is oh, not my thing, man. Not That's my fine. thing. And it, it probably doesn't help that Matt skips every story beat. So it just looks like he's going from one spot to another on the map and everything looks the same and it's got all the same enemies and stuff like that. And then every once in a while, there's this little blue lady that pops up, but it's not Cortana. That was the one like thread that I thought I had through all of this. And then I was like, oh, Cortana. He's like, that's not Cortana. I was like, for fuck's sakes, I give up. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically Leonardo DiCaprio on the couch from that uh, Quentin Tarantino movie. I didn't see pointing at the screen. That's you like, ah, Cortana. Mm. <laughs> No, it's not. Yeah. But technically, yeah. it is a clone of Cortana, who is an AI, a copy of Cortana, used to lure her to this uh, uh, Halo thingy and delete her. Um, it's a really... So Halo Infinite, uh, every time I talk about Halo, I get made fun of for like talking about the lore. But I'm, I honestly, um, when I was in high school, when Halo first came out, and... I was into the the games, you know, a lot. I was reading the books. I was engaging with everything that was that was coming out Halo wise, and I did I did stop that probably a little later than I should have, but I did I did stop. I don't have I don't really have a lot of time to catch up on the Halo books, but um, there's a lot of them, and uh, yeah, Halo lore is weird, and usually it's just it's it's all to service the game, right? Like. It, it is this, it is, Halo Infinite is basically like, let's go back to Halo 1, let's put you on a Halo, let's have you fighting Covenant-esque enemies. Um, it's not technically the Covenant, it's it's the Banished, but they are made up of the same uh, species <laughs> that are part of the Covenant. Yeah, I know. Oh my god. I know, I'm falling into this this trap. Crofton laughed at me too, just just like you did. <laughs> And, and I mean, like that's, this, this goes right to Matt's point and that like me, I'm just proving his point, me trying to explain Halo's story and why Halo Infinite is what it is, is exactly why he's skipping those cutscenes because that's not, it can't, it, it's not, it's not always the fun part of Halo. For me, it's fun. I love, I love the story. Uh, I love the Master Chief. Like I'm not one of those folks that you know, gets upset when Master Chief isn't the star of the game. Like, I know there's been those conversations of they should retire Master Chief. And, and I think they should, too. I mean, honestly, he's been wearing the same armor for how many decades? I cannot imagine <laughs> what it smells like. I think in at the end of Halo 5, they clean the inside. Like, that's a story point if you get the legendary <laughs> ending. You just oh see him, them hosing it out after, after the credits. It's not pretty. But um, that's a half a joke. But... Seriously, in Halo Infinite, I think that yeah, if you're skipping the story, that's totally fine because I think what they've done if they is they've tried to set up this playground for you to play Halo in. And uh but you are right, like it's one sort of I might not be using the right word, but it's one biome. Like it's one type of area. Like there's no snow mountain level. It's all like you know, green grass. There are some, uh, not really mountains, but like the story here is basically the halo has been, uh, di- you know, partially destroyed and it's partially rebuilding itself over the course of the, the campaign, which does result in these, like not necessarily mountains, 
but these like weird sort of reformations that more look like, um, you know, uh, you know those things you you can push on like and they're like pins and yeah, they form like a it's face. A bunch, yeah, it's it's basically like they're a bunch of like hexagons, right? Like yeah. And because at first I thought that it was a really weird aesthetic choice in the map to like make the fog of war these like weird hexagons or whatever. But then like he got it and Matt got back into the game and it's like no, the landscape is hexagons. Yep. This is dumb. <laughs> yeah. And that this is the thing like that again it's all this story that is 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 put there to um service the gameplay. Basically, you know, telling you without having to put invisible walls up, although you you can't fly you do hit an invisible wall if you fly up, you get the banshees and if you fly all the way to the top like you do hit sort of an invisible. I think you get like a little message popping up like out of mission zone. It's very like mm. throws you out of the out of the experience, but um, there are boundaries to the map. Like it's not a complete open world. There are these just like these sections of gameplay that unlock over time. But even then, it is it is the largest Halo ever made. But mm-hmm. it's still finite in in the space. You're not being able to like roam around the entire ring. It is a small section, section of the ring. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the story is basically setting up that you know. Uh, I think what's happened is the the the. The allied ship is trying to take out Cortana because at the end of five, Cortana's like, hey, all these AI come with me. You know, we're going to teach humanity how to how to how to do this gal- galactic thing. Right. And basically they're they were taking over the universe and um, they skip over that whole part where they solve that problem. Basically, I think they trick Cortana into going to this halo and then and then they quote unquote delete her, thus solving that problem off screen. Which is kind of a bummer, but, you know, over the course of Halo Infinite, they do address it. But really the core, you know, uh, protagonist or antagonist is this this banished uh, group. And I guess they were introduced in the RTS that I'd ever played. Um, and This is kind yeah. of the problem with a Halo story slash lore is like, it feels even more so than Warcraft, though Warcraft is definitely super guilty of this, um, that like... So many things happen outside of the game that when you're playing like one game into another, there's these huge gaps. You're like WTF happened. It's like, oh, it was in the book or oh, it was in this other smaller title that, you know, isn't part of isn't technically part of the main like series. But at the same time, solve story bits like story beats from the main series. Like it's just it's so bizarre how they've kind of split up their stories and lore. <laughs> like yeah. it seems incredibly hard to follow. <laughs> I think that that's where, you know, when you look at Halo 1 through 3, there was this there was this very respected story that they were trying to tell and and um I I mean it's the reason that I really latched on to the franchise is because it was a first person shooter that was that was taking its story very seriously and was telling, you know, a complete story. There were certainly video game-esque shenanigans happening between games like comics and books and hand-waving. Halo 2's ending is notorious for, like, we're going to finish the fight, and then 3 basically starts, like, yeah, we're doing that, but we're also doing it in not the same... It's not a complete pickup. But, like, when you look at Halo Infinite, I think the reason they drop 5's ending, not drop, but they kind of hand wave it away or, or kind of say i know you want to talk about this but we're going to put it over here we're going to address it over the course of the entire campaign and and basically conclude the most important thing of halo 5 which was 
you know, Master Chief's relationship with Cortana and, and where that, that had been going with her basically going rogue, they deal with that in the story. And I think they deal with it in a, in a really good way. But the reason they put it off to the side is because this new gameplay type of uh, an open world sort of halo, um, they needed to set that aside. And you see that in even the structure of this game where when you're out in the open world, you're doing this new halo things like, oh, this is really cool. It reminds me a lot of like that one specific level in Halo 1 where it kind of opens up and it's just as the halo opens up and you're kind of like, you've got to go save uh, three groups of Marines and you can kind of go in any direction you want. You can save any group first and it's kind of that first area of like, oh, this is a open objective area where I can kind of like tackle whatever area I want first, right? And they kind of take that concept and they they expand upon it to what we now know as like open world games. This is nothing new. I mean, we we had this conversation in Discord of like, this isn't the first open world first person shooter. It's just yeah. <laughs> Halo's take on that, it's which Halo's, makes it yeah, first special. Time, yeah. yeah, and I think that where you do notice um, the Halo coming rushing back to you is that there are these points where you're going through the motions of doing the open world stuff, which is a lot of like, take this base, uh, take out this named enemy for unlocking a weapon and, you know, save these Marines on your way to the mission objectives. And when you get to some mission objectives, it's literally walk down this hallway and then you're into a more classic Halo experience of walking and shooting enemies through hallways. And it's pretty jarring. Um, again, not to the point where it makes it a bad game, but it, it makes it Halo. So again, like if you were to go to someone and say like, well, Halo Infinite's brand new. It's like, well, if you're trying to talk someone into playing Halo again, like I think Halo Infinite isn't that game. It's still very much Halo because there's even the back, I'd say like the last third of the game, it was pretty jarring because it's like, I love the open world and, you know, exploring it. And then like the last third of the game is like, no, it's all corridor story missions and we're not going to let you back into the open world until you finish the game. And it was a good chunk of uh campaign levels and i was a little a little bummed by that because i was like oh okay well, like we're locking us out of the open world until clearly i finish this and you know sometimes when you finish an open world game it it diminishes the experience in my opinion of the open world of like okay we we didn't technically solve all of the halo's problems but like I, but I got I, all my gear. I saw the end of the story. I'm yeah. done. I didn't totally know. Like, you never go back and do all the side quests once your main mission is over. Yeah. It's like, I know some people do, but I know I tend not to. I, I tend to go, oh, I finished it. And there's this like rush of relief and like, huzzah, because open world games take a really freaking long time. And then you, you finish it and you're like, okay, I'm going to come back and tie up loose ends later. And you never do. <laughs> I thought about it. And I, you're right. I didn't. Um, I tried to. It's not that I wasn't enjoying it. I was very much enjoying it. But, you know, now that it wasn't, it didn't have that, like, uh, it's going to sound weird. But now that I didn't have, like, the weapon or, you know, they strongly allude to her, you know, basically being like a rebooted Cortana, um, which is not really a spoiler because it's all over the marketing. But I think that, you know, you get back in there and it's, it, there's no banter. It's just like you doing things, like you checking things off the list. And, um, you know, it's, it, I had a lot of fun with it. I'm, I'm really glad they took the year to, to polish it up and make it what it is. 
Um, you know, they added all these power-ups for you, and and this is new to the the franchise. Like, you can actually upgrade those power-ups in the campaign as you're finding these Spartan cores. So there's, like, a tech tree. Uh, but, like, I just put all my points into the grapple hook, and that's pretty much all I used exclusively through the whole game because it is, it is by far, like, the best addition. That thing was insane. Yeah. Like... The just the physics make no sense. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> which I know it's space physics, but still, <laughs> this is this is the main character pees in his suit, and 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 no one's <laughs> everyone's fine with that. All right, so the grappling hook is not the problem here. It's the least of the worries. <laughs> yeah, like where does he? Where does the pee go? I mean, I don't know. I we really want to know. Oh, but, that uh, is not going to be the episode title, but at the same time, should totally be the episode title. <laughs> oh, there's still lots more to go here. But, uh, you know, uh, I think that with the grappling hook, it is so great because it is so, they put so much attention into that power up that just makes it your go to. Like, you can use it to pick up the, they just, they they decided, like, oh, what if we made like multiple types of red barrels that you could just, you know, throw across all for some reason everywhere and um you can grapple them it doesn't you know cause them to explode when you grapple them but when you throw them at people it certainly does and it's so satisfying they can also get shot out of your hand which we found out (laughs) yes that that can happen but it's part of the uh occupational hazard i mean you know you you signed up for it you're you're fully sometimes you just explode (laughs) sometimes i think i have multiple clips of me accidentally trying to grapple uh, an explosive barrel and but but grappling to the side of the explosive barrel and then <laughs> ramming into the explosive barrel and dying and thinking that was rather unfortunate luckily the checkpointing is very good in the game um but yeah like there's so much opportunity there to just have fun in this open world as you're as you're taking on um the banished and the grappling hook was just it was always equipped for me um, I wish that, uh, I, I'd heard this feedback elsewhere and I think it's really good. I wish that when you change, there are like combat reasons to use your other, you know, abilities. I think there's, um, there's thrusters for you to dodge. There's a shield wall, which, which actually is probably the second best one. Cause you can use it to shoot through. And when you shoot through it, uh, it electrifies your bullets and, and protects you against enemy projectiles and stuff. Um, and there's a sensor, radar thing which is good because there are invisible enemies which are super annoying uh but once you use it you you kind of want to just switch back to the grappling hook and i think that was one of the biggest pieces of feedback i saw out there was like yes of course let me use the other equipment but as soon as i use it switch me back to the grappling hook (laughs) you know and you get really good at switching back to the grappling hook because it really is the number one tool um in there and and they don't again they don't explain why he has a grappling hook like why master chief suddenly has a grappling hook and why didn't he didn't have one for like the last five games because honestly like (laughs) if you can pee in the suit you should have a grappling hook i think like those are the two upgrades they probably should have put in on day one um and it took six games to put a grappling hook in so priorities i suppose but uh yeah like it is such a fun experience it's on game pass of course so like you you can try it without i i mean if this is the first time a halo games come out and i haven't purchased it you know and own it I'm j- i've just i guess rented it you know which is <laughs> in a way uh, kind of maybe yeah yeah it's it's odd so you know i i really did enjoy it i feel like they are setting it up for 
sort of, they've already said like this is the future the, the next 10 years of halo and i feel like that doesn't necessarily mean that we won't get more story uh for 10 years i think they're going to add on to the infinite campaign i have no idea where the story's going they're laying down some some weird you know mysteries i thought we had sorted out all the forerunner stuff but i guess there's more stuff to look at <laughs> there um i i thought like they kind of figured that you know humans were forerunners and that was sort of their solution to you know the whole story and they wrapped it up but i guess there's more there that they want to explore so um we'll see where that goes but yeah i had a great time with it but uh, i was a little disappointed when i feel the need to go back into the open world after uh finishing the campaign um but you know it's a living you know halo like it really feels like there is a lot going on in this world um you are fighting the same enemies yes that's true there's basically you know four or five you know types of enemies but i think where those encounters get really interesting is in sort of the more uh, established points on the map like the towers and the prisons and stuff where you are you know freeing uh you know marines and stuff and going in there and, and having to strategically take out this specific environment that that is where like the campaign is sort of expanded and that like there's not necessarily story going on there but it like it feels like little campaign missions they've set up um sort of like side quests and whatnot so i i do need to go back into it um and just you know i i put it down and i just haven't gone back but i was playing it pretty much every night until i until i finished the campaign and i i did enjoy it it's it's a lot more halo and in i was not expecting the corridor levels to come back in in such a strong way but they're in there like they're definitely leaning into the open world with the uh the marketing but there's still a lot of halo like halo in there so mm. yeah so did you get up to anything else on your holidays other than halo things yeah well i did uh play some more game pass stuff i uh which shouldn't surprise anybody really it should it's 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 coming back in 2022 don't worry uh, i played the gunk which uh <laughs> was it's so fun to say first of all they don't really play much with uh, the title it's more just for your at-home fun but um <laughs> the, the gunk is uh <laughs> no it's fine it's fine uh (laughs) the gunk yes the gunk i just uh, really enjoy saying the gunk um i think that uh it's a it's a very short you know game it's on game pass uh it's made by the folks behind the steam world uh games so steam world dig steam world heist this is their first uh fully 3d action platformer um and basically it tells the story of uh these two space adventurers who crash not well they don't really crash land on the planet but there's definitely like a lot of banter going back and forth is like we got like two more good launches on this ship so they basically like hard land on this on this planet um not by choice uh just just based on their ship not being so great uh but the idea is they land on this planet and they're they're trying to find their salvagers are trying to find stuff that they can sell and they come to this planet and it's kind of overtaken by this they what they call the gunk which is this like oozy inky black stuff that is just kind of like everywhere and they don't really go into detail but uh you know like luigi's mansion um you have this uh this vacuum arm uh, i know in luigi's mansion you have a literal vacuum but in this case you know <laughs> the main character has a vacuum arm and uh and and she is going around and she's just sucking up this gunk 
to kind of clean the planet. So it's kind of a mix between Luigi's Mansion and Super Mario Sunshine, uh, where you are clearing the gunk from areas, which is then revitalizing the world. And you find out like, oh, this this world is actually a, a lush, you know, thriving planet when you get rid of this, whatever this gunk is. And the story of, of the game is basically you exploring this planet and, you know, your partner uh, who is back at the ship, she's definitely more interested in, in keeping everybody safe and, and finding a way to pay off, you know, debts and stuff. But you're, the main character is kind of getting lost in this planet and, and wants to see why it's been taken over by the gunk. And you, you, you explore that through the story and you find that uh, there's, a, there's a little bit more going on with the gunk. And uh, you want to save this planet, right? And that's basically where where the where the story goes. And it's it's a, again very tight, short experience, and it's totally worth checking out. The gameplay is very, you know, it's a three D platformer. It's pretty old school. Um, there's some limited combat. Uh, it's n- nothing really to write home about. But the puzzles are really cool. Uh, later on, when you're, you know, you're not just clearing the gunk. You're you're actually you know, um, you're having to traverse the landscape and, and find uh, specific types of environment, environmental puzzles and stuff where you're like finding these seeds that you can use to, you know, grow, you know, mushrooms for you to jump across platforms. And then there are other seeds that cause explosions. So you're using those explosions to like clear landscape. Um, and then you're having to do stuff with that where you're trying to like make it so the explosion seed lands in a specific spot so you can take out specific areas to move forward and it's just it was a lot of fun it's charming it's short it's sweet it's 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 what you kind of need after something like an open world shooter (laughs) yeah yeah exactly like it's one of those things where i think for most folks you know you could sit down and and finish it in an evening um for me i i did it over a couple evenings i think three or four sessions it's it's very short and i mean i just love being able to sit down and know that this thing isn't going to take over my life for a month, I can actually fit it in in a week and just kind of enjoy something start, middle and end, you know, and there's not many experiences like that. And I think that's, again, where Game Pass comes in very handy because it allows you to, you know, engage in these experiences that you would normally sit there and say, oh, well, I'll wait for a Steam sale for this one, you know, and uh, I think it's all, it's also on PC. I played it on Xbox and, uh, it, it has some technical issues. I ran into a couple technical issues where I had to literally like hard shut down the Xbox to like get it to reset. I think I even had to like flush the, um, uh, not the power on it, but like clear the cache on the Xbox because it was like being really funky. Like the game was like locking up. Uh, it did clear the issue. So I don't know if it was the gunk specifically, like clogging up the xbox (laughs) um or it was just the xbox being like too much halo uh so um there was that but it did clear up after uh a quick uh you know power cycle but um yeah i really enjoyed it again like it's nothing the gameplay isn't like well you know uh anything revolutionary like there's no grappling hook but um (laughs) (laughs) you can uh you know it's it's just fun it's quirky and you know it uh it tells a really interesting story. I don't even, I don't really want to spoil it. Cause I think they, yeah, don't, don't go too far into it, especially no. for a short experience. Let, let people, let people get in there, get in the gunk, get into the gunk. It's really uh, worth checking out. I think that if you have game pass, um, like I said, it's a short experience 
and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I had fun with it. So definitely check out the gunk. And then you had one more that you wanted to talk about before we before we move into our main topic of the week. Yes. <laughs> an so... hour into the show or half an hour into the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, I played a lot over the holidays. And uh, one of those experiences that I've been playing more so now that I'm um, I'm out of the holidays and have a little more time. Uh, I've been playing Rogue Lord, which is a it's like a rogue light game where you are the bad guys. So like the bad guys have lost. Uh, you play as the devil's disciples. So Van Helsing has taken out all of evil, I guess. You oh, know? what a jerk. I yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, eh, yeah, it, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, Van Helsing, he's taken out all of evil and basically uh, like like any uh like the devil himself i guess i don't know like you are not defeated but you try to you're basically so defeated that you have to in roguelike fashion you have to uh slowly work your way back towards being um all powerful right so it, they kind of use that as a story gimmick to basically say like yeah you're you are the devil and you have your disciples like i think you start with dracula the Headless Horseman, and Bloody Mary. Those are the first three characters you get. And it works um, sort of similar to... The combat is sort of similar to Darkest Dungeon, where you ha- it is turn-based. You have your characters on one side, you have the, the enemy characters on the other, and you're queuing up abilities. You have action points, and they're shared action points across all the characters. Um, and each character has different abilities that use different amounts of action points. Um and you can kind of go back and forth from there. But where I found it to be, uh, you know, the mo- the very unique portion of this is that, yes, you are the devil, so you cheat constantly. Um, and, <laughs> Excellent. Yes. And you're going to love this because uh, the way you cheat is you have your essence points, which are um, basically your health. So for every run, you start with 50 essence points. And as you go forward, you can earn more through uh, power-ups and and just by progressing through the story. Um and you use those SM points to basically pause the game. It literally puts like a, a devilish overlay over the game. You pause it and you can manipulate pretty much every aspect of combat, of outcomes, like uh, probability outcomes. Um, so like the simplest is there's these events you come across and it's like, um, for example, a really simple one is like, oh, there's a, a witch being burned at the stake. Um, you can, first of all, determine if this person really is a witch. Uh, so you, you have a probability role on that. And I mean, let's say it's 50%. If you want, you can just pause the game. You can trade essence points and just crank that right up to a hundred and make sure you get it. No problem. (laughs) It's super satisfying to basically be like, I hate dice rolls right now. And I'm not, I'm just going to trade like five life points to get this to a hundred percent. And, um, you have to remember though you like you are the devil so like this is going to make people laugh but like i'm i'm sitting there when i started playing it and i'm like okay i found this uh this this witch that's being burned at the stake and i i discovered oh she's innocent i was like well i better let her go <laughs> so i let her go and then everyone's like what are you doing like you let her go everyone's happy now and uh we get nothing like we we the, the devil literally gets nothing in that deal um Whereas what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to make the evil choice. If you find out she's innocent, you're supposed to let them burn them at the stake so that you get the souls, right? And the souls allow you to like buy more skills and and uh, and and do stuff uh, stuff at the shop with with the Grim Reaper and stuff like upgrade abilities and and whatnot. 
Um, so you have to learn that too, where, you know, you, if you're like me and you're always, oh, you're always looking for the positive outcome. And this one, you're, you're mostly looking for whatever's going to, uh, be in the devil's favor, essentially. Um, so you, you would have wanted them to, to burn her at the stake, you know, basically. Uh, and there are other examples of that where you're in combat and, uh, you can activate the devil's powers to basically be like, um, we're in an, uh, a, an elite, uh, battle where this, this character has like 300 health. Um, earlier I unlocked a, a terror event. So sometimes you'll, you'll trigger these terror events, which will give you bonuses in specific areas of the map. Um, one of them is like basically your first, uh, first time you use your devil powers doesn't cost anything. So of course, in this elite battle with this person having 300 health, it would have taken me a lot of time to, to get it all the way down. I just like turn on the devil power, go over to this, this 300 health person and, and just take their health down. It costs me nothing. And I take it all the way down to zero and I just kind of have to poke him and he's dead, you know? And, and it's, there's like little stuff like that where you often, I found myself forgetting that I had these abilities. It's all part of the game. Uh, I had these abilities that I should be using because I was um, actually finding that my runs, I was actually um, losing quite quickly. And I felt like, oh, this is pretty, this is much more difficult than it needs to be. But I kept forgetting that I could essentially cheat. cheat. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Ryan just wasn't cheating enough. (laughs) No, it's totally true. And it's, it's such a unique, you know, take on it. Because again, with these roguelites, it's all about skill. It's all about, there's still skill in there that, that is required. Like you have to, you know, know your moves and know your enemies and know how to take on specific encounters. But it's also about using the tools you have in your toolbox, like like the devil's powers, right? Um, and uh, yeah, it's really refreshing to be able to just... Uh, um, cheat in a video game with cheat. not only no consequences, but like, it's the way you're supposed to do it. <laughs> it's the way you're supposed to play the game. It's funny how they're like, kind of like riding that line between, it's like, if this was any other game, this would absolutely be cheating. But here, it's just the mechanics. So you're not really cheating. Like, there's still going to be downsides and, like, things you have to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just, like, <laughs> say, I'm going to do this perfect every time for every single mechanic. But, uh, yeah, it sounds really cool and really fun. And, yeah. uh, like, it's tricked you into thinking you're cheating even when you're not. <laughs> no, like, a really good example that I would often forget is, um, so in combat you have health points and you have um, spiritual points and you can kind of, uh, and so do the enemies and you can kind of like target each one of those strategically, depending on what powers your characters have. And when you reduce those to zero, it makes that character vulnerable. And then you have to deal uh, a death blow basically. Um, And same for, for you when, when the enemy has, has been attacking you and it'll, it'll show you basically like you can take as much hits as you want as long as you're not being hit when you're vulnerable. So let's say you have 50 health and someone's going to hit you for 200. You're not going to die. You're just going to go to a vulnerable state. But when you're in a vulnerable state, any damage you take hits your essence, which is basically your your life your your life points. Um, when that hits zero, your run ends and you got to start over. Um, so in this instance where I was finding characters were, were, uh, were knocking my uh, characters out and my life essence was being hit... I could just, you know, pause the game, increase my character's health just enough that it survives the, you know, it does, there's no killing blow. And then that would allow me to go another turn without worrying about basically. So essentially, like I'm spending 10 life 
to stop getting hit for 20. And that's the kind of stuff you got to look for while you're in combat to kind of prolong your ability to stay alive. Because like you, you might think, oh, if I'm using my life essence to do these powers, um, I'm slowly chipping away at my own health, but really it's, it's keeping you in the game longer. Um, and you can kind of see as you're in the overworld, as you're walking through, you can see all the possibilities of what type of events you're going to hit in this little mini map. So you can kind of like plan your route to try to like get through that run as, as strategically as possible. Mm. So you can see where there's combat. You're, there are random events, but you can kind of work your way around them. You have um, path options and you can kind of see like, okay, I know I need to hit like the, 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 the sticks fountain, which re- rejuvenates your life essence. So you can go there if you're really low or, oh, I really want to go visit the Grim Reaper because I have some skills I want to upgrade because I have a lot of souls. So you can kind of plan your route accordingly. There are still like bottlenecks where you are going to have to choose between three uh, elite uh, combat encounters or, you know, doing a or, or just combat in general. So like it's not allowing you to just do probability events all the way to the end or else you you would probably just do that and, and win it wouldn't be very challenging um because like i find with the probability stuff like sometimes the negative outcome if you fail a probability check it's sometimes it's combat other times it's just like well we tried <laughs> you know so there there is some stuff there where you are running into combat even if you think you might not be heading in that direction through the probability events but um the one the one piece of criticism I have though is that I've I feel like I've I put a good chunk of time into it. I've I've played for about ten hours and I'm still on the first chapter. Like I haven't been able to finish and, and sorry, like I'm I'm still in the first book, I guess. Like there are multiple chapters to the book. Uh there are six books plus I think a final chap a final book. And uh I've I've not been able to finish the first book. It feels like you know, when a, a good a good roguelite is when you feel as though you're progressing. And I feel like I'm mm-hmm. definitely getting there. However, it feels like a slower ramp than I would have would like, you know. And it does come back to, like, the time I have to put into the game. So I almost feel like, for me, like, I, I do want to keep playing it. But I feel like when I finish that first book, it's like, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm really glad I played this game and I finished it, even though technically I've only played a sixth of it, you know? I really do... Like, Hades was a great example of a roguelite that um, that respected your time, you know? It felt like you were constantly progressing, even if you were dying in the same sort of area every time. Um, at least you were progressing. In this one, I feel like I'm stuck in the same book and I'm experiencing the same encounters over and over again for the last eight hours where I am like having to just like, okay, you're explaining the river sticks to me again, over and over again. Yes. I know it gives me life lessons. <laughs> a, 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 and you have to like manually walk your character along the map. So if it's going to do that for another six books that in consist of six chapters each, it's like, ugh, it's just, it's a bit of a slog. And Unlike Hades, like when you're walking in the overworld, there's nothing really interesting happening. It's just walking and choosing events. And sometimes those events aren't optional. So you have to queue into them anyways. Um, And you have to hold the A button to queue into them. So like my major criticism of it is basically like it it doesn't like 
it doesn't respect your time in a way where like the first time you do it, it's kind of interesting. Like you're walking around, you're exploring the world and you're like, oh, there's one event. Yeah. Click on it. But after but eight you hours have to do it. Yeah. A <laughs> hundred times. You're like, OK, too many times. <laughs> yeah. I wish there was a way to basically say, like, we've done all these. We've done all this walking before several times now. Let's just skip to the encounter. I'm I'm even fine with you playing the dialogue for the fifth or sixth time in the same run for going to the, the, the fountain or whatever. Like it literally plays the same dialogue over it and you have to A, A, A. And I, that would I, drive me nuts. <laughs> it, it's getting a little grating. And I think that's where, where I look at the game and be like, I'm probably going to do one book and then we'll see what maybe book two has in terms of its, um, if it's any different, like in terms of its uh, look and feel. But like even with, there are like 10 disciples you can unlock um, you start with three and you unlock, uh, another one pretty quickly. I, I think it's, I can't rem- I know I don't use, I haven't used her yet, but, um, so I can't remember who it is, but essentially like for those eight hours, I've been, I've been using the same three characters, um, unlocking the same powers and doing the same combat, uh, and, and just kind of going. So again, like I haven't even locked other characters to experiment with. Um, and I, I don't know if they're tied to the specific books or if they're tied to progression. There's like a progression system. You're like leveling up as you finish each run. But I it seems to be just unlocking skills that you can encounter in the game. So yeah, like it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. It's a neat concept. But I think it's kind of, um, it's hampered a little bit by the fact that it 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 is very repetitive. And I mean, I know that is roguelite in general, but um, it it's not a fun repetitive, like it's a bit of a Mm. monotonous repetitive to a certain extent, but it is a really cool concept. Like I I like the idea of what they've done with, you know, the ability to change probabilities and literally moving, you know, positive buffs from the enemy over to you or moving negative buffs on you over to the enemy by exchanging a little bit of life points. That's a really cool concept. Um, I just wish they'd tighten up the, you know, the repetitive natures of the roguelite a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see if book two kind of changes things up, but I have no idea if I'll be able to finish book one. I don't know how much more time I want to put into it to try to finish it. It's been, eight, maybe I'm just really bad at cheating. I don't know. Uh, I should probably <laughs> I should probably try to be a little more uh, evil in the game. I, I never played, you know, uh, Renegade Shepherd, so um, I've never been good at being bad in video games. Yeah. So. <laughs> So I like yeah. the idea of being an evil guy. And I mean, I'm I'm also down for all of that, like devil Van Helsing, mm-hmm. like Dracula type lore stuff. That's yeah, they nailed that. my jam. So you would love that side of that. Yeah, I might go check that out. It sounds pretty cool. So I uh, just wanted to remind everybody that if you do like what we're doing here, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show. We are currently looking for our January patron. So if that sounds like something you'd like to do, again, you can head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin. That brings us to our topic this week. We're going to give you a real quick look at the games that we're excited about for 2022. So I feel like I've done this a couple times. <laughs> so we talked about this on TAC. We, t- we talked about this on TAC on our like super crazy like mailbag episode that was about everything and nothing all at the same time. (laughs) Um, And then uh, we talked about it a bit on the instance too. So I don't want to go too far into it because a lot of, I feel like a lot of my titles are anticipated by everybody because 2021 to me felt like such a like 
light year, I guess. Um, but then, yeah, I feel like the the titles that I'm most anticipating are a lot of things that I think everybody is. They're the expected ones, right? So like Horizon Forbidden West, to nobody's surprise, <laughs> which I think, Ryan, you're really looking forward to, too. Do you have any any extra thoughts on Horizon? <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. Um, Forbidden West is one of those games where I've kind of, uh, I've checked out, you know, in terms of the the pre-launch marketing, um, I constantly see the trailers and screenshots. We're even getting to the fun time where like a version of it has leaked. I guess there's a, a someone was saying oh, the great. PS- <laughs> yeah, the PS4 version has leaked and like you have some people saying like, oh, um, you know, beware of spoilers, but like the PS4 version actually looks really good. So mm. at least there's a positive there if you are planning to play this on PS4 and upgrade to the PS5 down the road. Um, but yeah, like I'm almost weirdly enough i've checked out of the marketing to a point where i'm like yeah oh yeah i'm not paying attention to anything i'm just like i already know i'm going to love it therefore (laughs) i'm just not doing it (laughs) yeah i mean i'm almost at a point where i'm i'm kind of just i'll be pleasantly happy when i'm able to play it on the 18th Mm. um i'm not like you know super duper like excited to play it but i think once we get close to the 18th I'll, i'll i'll start ramping up a little bit so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I feel like it'll be like the first big game on PS5, you know, for both of us. I know there have been PS5 games that we've both played. Um, and but yeah, I, this is know, like this is this is the real big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Um, February will be here before you know it. It's literally yeah. a month away, to be honest. Well, that's Five the thing. Weeks. It's so close now. It's so close, which is also why I'm pretty excited. <laughs> Yeah, no, I am excited. Um, and then it's funny, like, you know, there was talk in Discord about doing it, uh, what we're excited about in 2022. Like, there's not a lot of stuff, like, locked in. I'm actually looking at the notes here. And, like, basically the only thing with the date is, uh, for me, is for Forbidden West and then Starfield, which is November 11th. And Which is always questionable anyways, right? Like, whenever you have November releases and they announce it, like, a year ahead of time, it's like, yeah, but are you gonna? I'd like it if you did, but uh, are you gonna? <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically, we haven't really even seen a gameplay trailer for it. No! <laughs> um, so, I mean, I... Look, if Fallout 4 hadn't, you know, been announced, showcased, and released in the same year... Um, I probably would be questioning the, the November 11th date for Starfield as well. But like I do have, um, because of Fallout 4, you know, that game's uh, reception aside, like it was revealed, showcased and, and released in the same year. So I feel like, uh, I feel like st- if anyone can do it, Starfield can probably do it. And uh, if it does slip, like it's it, not a big deal. Like I it'll probably land in february 2023 if it does slip to be honest we won't i don't think it'll be a long delay if it does get Mm -hmm. delayed but really like the caveat for all of these games which we're going to discuss is like i could see a majority of them moving you know either to the later parts of 2022 or even 2023 like i'm not uh I'm not like uh, I'm not probably gonna sit here and hold my breath for any of these games we're gonna talk about next, but uh, yeah, like I yeah. So yeah. like God of War Ragnarok, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, the sequel, like those are the ones you're talking about, right? <laughs> oh yeah, like Breath of the Wild's a big one. I feel like Nintendo has been very adamant that 2022 is the year, but not to the point of saying like even narrowing down like a time frame. So 
I mean, holiday seems the most likely. Um, but uh, yeah, like as Breath long of the Wild, as it yeah. doesn't come out the same month as Horizon again, I'll be a happy camper. <laughs> oh, I, I, <laughs> if that game came out in February slash March, I'd be, I'd be pretty impressed that Nintendo was able to hold on to their uh, th- that news for this long. Like, I, I think that game needs uh, more time. I think Breath of the Wild. I, I really do. I really do think that even though we don't know this for a fact, but I think Breath the Breath of the Wild sequel is going to be I think people are going to be pleasantly either surprised or or, or maybe not pleasantly, but like I was just, like, are you going to say pleasantly disappointed? Can you be pleasantly no, disappointed? <laughs> I, I guess like pleasantly is the word I'd swap out there. Like, I think people are going to be surprised. I think Breath of the Wild sequel is going to be different from Breath of the Wild. I, I think that uh it's going to use the same look and feel and sort of dynamic nature of systems interacting with systems. But I, I think it's going to be a different, uh, maybe not def- a different Zelda experience, but I think it'll be a different experience from Breath of the Wild. I, I don't get the sense that Nintendo wants to go back and do the same thing again. I think the reason they took like all these ideas they had for DLC and decided to build a sequel is that they were doing things too different that they couldn't, you know, strap on to the to the side of an already um, robust game. You know, yeah. I, I I might I could be wrong, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, I hope you're right, Ryan, because a lot of people want something different from Breath of the Wild. But I just think that even when you look at what they did with Super Mario Galaxy One and Two, um, where it was a similar thing, where Two was like a bunch of ideas for one that got that didn't get used. We're thinking about doing DLC, but Nintendo didn't know how to do DLC for the Wii and they made a new game. Um, and I think that those two games were different enough, you know, like, uh, they, they went in a, they had a similar platform, but they like were exploring different ways to use that platform, if that makes sense. So I I think breath of the wild sequel is going to be different. I could be wrong. Uh, I think, I think they're going to address the breakable weapons. I'm going to say that here. (laughs) <laughs> Even if it is like a magic potion that you can build to basically make a weapon that you really like never break, <laughs> I think they're going to have something in there to uh, address those concerns. I, I feel mm-hmm. like I'd be really surprised well, yeah. if they didn't. I don't want to. I don't want to like go too crazy into like all of the Breath of the Wild issues or anything. Um, talking about the sequel, I think it's going to be. Or I'm excited to see what they do decide to change. And because that was one of my biggest pet peeves, not all the weapons like you want to pick up some little staff from some nothing enemy and and use that for a while. And then it breaks like that makes sense. But like when you give me a weapon from like the Zora King or something and it's like, oh, my God, this is an amazing thing, but I can only use it 10 times before it breaks. And then I have to go through like this whole big, huge, long process to try to like reform it. And you can only do that a couple times. I'm just like, then I just end up never using my cool weapons. And that doesn't feel good. So I think it might be something worth addressing if they just kind of like exempt some weapons from that system even. Um, I don't know. But um, I am excited to see, at least I'm anticipating <laughs> seeing what they're what they're going to be changing. So I think um, the only one on my list for my most anticipated that's a little bit different maybe is um, there's a so I know for a few years now I've been talking about Vampire Masquerade, but Bloodlines 2 is one of those that just keeps having a year put on it and no actual date. And then the year gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it gets pushed back and back and back and back. And uh, I don't actually know if it's going to come out, but 
There is a game based, it's a single player experience based in the universe, the Vampire the Masquerade universe, um, called Swan Song, and that's coming out uh, in May. So that's something I'm going to play for sure. I just, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm glad that somebody's making something with this property. I just, I really want Bloodlines 2 to come out, <laughs> but at least I'm getting something. So I'm I'm excited about that. And I don't think I've really talked about Vampire Masquerade in a while. So Swan Song comes out in May. Yeah. Keep your eyes open. <laughs> I have not heard anything about I've never played the uh, the Vampire um, game. I, I keep seeing this pop up and I keep thinking like, is this a is this a follow up to Vampire? But it's not. It's a it's in the. No, masquerade. it's it, yeah. No, it's the Masquerade um, universe has nothing to do with. That game we didn't quite finish. <laughs> yeah. Um, is is Vampire the Masquerade, is that a game, is that a board game or is it a game franchise? Like No, Vampire Masquerade was like an RPG in the early 2000s. Oh, okay. <laughs> or yeah. I guess um, Vampire Masquerade Bloodlines was an RPG in the early, and it was it had this huge cult following and it was a really good game. Uh, and then they kept saying like, oh, maybe we'll do a sequel, do a sequel. And there's like this whole bigger universe built around it, like lore wise. And they just and they've they've done some like um, like graphic novels and some like narrative only games and things. And they've kind of like built up the universe in a really cool way. Um, but Bloodlines 2, just like it got greenlit and it's just been like pushed off forever now. So I think it's had the other issues. Like when too. I say forever, I mean like 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then it really looked in the in the last couple of years, it really looked like it might happen. <sighs> but then Yeah. It, yeah, now it's now it's 2022. I think originally it was supposed to be 2018. <laughs> so this is now it's been pushed to 2022. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah, this one. So I guess it's based on a tabletop uh, game originally from from the 90s. Uh, tabletop game books, Dark Colony and Giovanni Chronicles. I'm just looking at because I don't know anything about it. So I'm just looking at the, the Wikipedia articles. So but yeah, no, there is the video game Bloodlines and the sequel. Is, I think it was supposed to come out last year. And then mm -hmm. as you said they did delay it. Um, yeah, that, that does look cool. Again, like I just, I kept seeing marketing for it. I thought, oh yeah, that's a, uh, that's that vampire game, but hopefully it is better than, than that. Uh, I think like, um, there's 2022 feels like there's a lot of sequels, um, mm -hmm. actually of the most anticipated of the five games I've listed, all of them are sequels, but, <laughs> but one. Except for Starfield. Yeah, yeah. except for Starfield. <laughs> but I mean, uh, God of War Ragnarok, I feel like, uh, we did that one I think is going to come out this year. It might be either like a summer, late summer or holiday release for, for PlayStation. But I feel like that one is... I think that one is going to be more of the like a continuation of of the rebooted God of War in both story and gameplay. I think it's just going to keep going. It's going to try to do a little bit of new stuff, but I am still looking forward to seeing how that story wraps up um and how they take, you know, this the reboot to what was a very different and not a reboot but a but a sequel sort of continuation, but like it took it in a different direction. Like the story told in you know, God of War 2018 definitely continues from that original God of War trilogy, but it is such a different tone. Like it's just, uh, it, it almost, it feels like the franchise had, had grown up and, and stopped, uh, <laughs> stopped doing, you know, really questionable, uh, mini games and just, uh, you know, you know, weird 
punch people people's faces off stuff it, <laughs> the original trilogy it, it was a it was a product of its time i guess but i'm glad they i'm glad they figured out a way to 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 move forward and and give us a, a new game so i'm looking forward to that um a game we both played and enjoyed surprise like it was a surprise uh for i think both of us which was a plague tale um and the follow-up is coming out in 2022 which is called a plague tale requiem um and it you know looks like uh you know more 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 rats so you know can't go wrong with that (laughs) on next gen hardware right like just a sea of rats so Mm -hmm. we'll see how that goes um, yeah. And that one's on Game Pass, so we'll be able to enjoy it on Game Pass. And speaking, you mentioned Ragnarok quickly. Um, I'm actually really excited about God of War coming to PC, which is happening um, in a couple days, actually, January 14th. Um, and I think I'm going to play it on the PS5 just because I think that's the best hardware now. But yeah. like much like all of the Horizon stuff, I'm really excited God of War is coming to PC and just these PlayStation titles in general coming to PC because you just get that much that 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 many more people <laughs> getting to play those experiences. So I did want to mention, technically, God of War on PC is coming in a couple days. Yes, that's true. Making and it, it a 2022 title. <laughs> yes, uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, when you look at Sony's strategy for PC releases. I mean, specifically with God of War, like releasing God of War um, on PC the same year that the sequel's coming out. I think if you 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 might think it's part of their marketing strategy if it was easy to buy a PS5, uh, <laughs> but because it's a nearly impossible, um, it it feels like it's not quite the connection. But uh, it is it is a good way to get people like okay, like uh, now that I've played the original, I, I might look to buy a PS5 in the next year because you know it's going to take them four years to get this uh, Ragnarok game over to the PC. Um, but yeah, I think that, uh, there's a lot of like another sequel is, um, uh, Mario plus rabbits sparks of hope. This one's on the switch. And I really enjoyed, if you had told me that they were going to take Mario and mix it with the rabbits franchise, a little bit of XCOM gameplay and create like a, uh, a grid based action, you know, uh, turn-based strategy I'd say that you're crazy and that will never work. And but it was a lot of fun and it was a great, you know, surprise. And I'm I'm super looking forward to the sequel. I think if that they can continue with that that sort of charm and, and humor and and fun gameplay, uh I'm I'm all for it. And I and I think that I think that we haven't seen a lot of it, which has been nice because I I think the first one was was announced and just came out like a couple of months or at least a, I think it was within the year. And I really like that because it's not a game you really need. Like you're, you're kind of in when you see the trailer, right? You know what you're in for. You don't need them to like hammer you with marketing. I mean, they are going to closer to release, but like I don't necessarily need to see three trailers of Mario fighting with rabbits, right? I, just, I get it. It's good. I'm going to play it. <laughs> yeah. <It's fun. laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah. But I am looking forward to it. Um, I'm also kind of looking forward to seeing the reviews at least on pokemon legends which is uh, i guess Ar- arcurus arcurus arcurius i don't know anyways <laughs> that pokemon name yep. uh that's coming out at the end of january i just i want to see because we haven't seen a whole lot of like what's coming i guess like not a lot of gameplay on that one so i just i want to see reviews because uh, i did really enjoy sword and shield so maybe i could get down with another pokemon game 
Yeah. And they're doing the whole open world thing, which is why I get like question marks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people look at it and say, oh, it's it's Pokemon Breath of the Wild. And I think it's really right. And then I hear people say that and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and I've not played the game, so I'm not necessarily. And I know, uh, you know, we can't compare every open world game to Breath of the Wild. But like when you look at their reveal trailer, they're literally taking like cues, music, you know, camera pans from the original Breath of the Wild um, trailer. <laughs> so like there is some comparisons to be made, but my concern with uh, Legends is that we're seeing a lot of marketing, uh, but we're not, I'm, I want to know what people like you, I want to wait for the reviews and see what, how it's received because it could be something that could look. Pokemon has always been this franchise that has been, we are only going to make the best Pokemon games on handheld and when the switch sort of killed the um the secondary uh platform for Nintendo and you had one handheld and one you know you had the hybrid system that suddenly meant you were getting full pokemon experiences uh the best pokemon products that you could play on your console you know there was a time and day there were even interviews i remember when they would talk about you know, um, their console versions of, of their Pokemon games and say, no, we'll never make a mainline Pokemon game on a console. And I think that's where my concern is with Pokemon Legends. I feel like this is one of those where they're like, we're trying something new, but it's never going to be kind of like what you want it to be. That's my concern. I don't know that for a fact. I want to wait for reviews and, and I hope I'm pleasantly surprised, but I hope it is sort of the true, like, next generation of pokemon like let's do something Mm -hmm. different but that is also not an experiment but something we put a lot of time and effort into crafting and it's not just a let's make the pokemon breath of the wild you know Mm -hmm. um yeah so i i hope it's good i will pick it up if 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 the reviews are really really if the reviews are yeah if the reviews are decent yeah Yeah, for sure (laughs) but uh yeah there's a lot of other stuff like um there's a couple DC games, Gotham Knights, Suicide Squad. Uh, if those come out, I think Gotham Knights is more likely to come out than Suicide Squad this year. Mm. I do enjoy the DC games, especially like the Batman, uh, which I think Gotham Knights is sort of based off of, but Suicide Squad is the same developers. So I'm looking forward to seeing, um, playing those. I, I think they will be a lot of fun. Um, Marvel's Midnight Suns got delayed uh, into the later half of this year. It was supposed to come out in March. It's sort of uh, the next game from the XCOM team. And Bayonetta 3 finally got unveiled. Uh, it's it's coming to the Switch this year. Um, it got announced, I think, like five years ago. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to, uh, again, like that's a lot of sequels, but uh, that is the industry we're in. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, I've kind of, <laughs> as much as you're talking about how you're like looking forward to and seeing a lot of sequels, um, I'm actually, I've got a couple that are coming up in 2022, apparently, um, that are based on movies. So A Quiet Place, which I absolutely loved, <laughs> like A Quiet Place, definitely Quiet Place 2 was was okay but they're making a video game out of it and i'm just like man that i feel like that's going to be a very tense in a very good way video game (laughs) (laughs) yeah could make a great video i think like if you take the experience that they've put into the movie that's something you could um translate well to video games i think um there's already a good example out there with alien isolation 
have not played it for that reason because uh <laughs> you know but uh i think if you could turn that into a very awesome stealth based video game uh could be a lot of fun very much so and then uh i don't want to talk about this too much because i know it's like super controversial and stuff because jk rowling sucks and i wish that she didn't but um there's a, a new harry potter game coming out and i'm not 100 percent sure if i'm what i'm gonna do about that i was super excited about it but yeah now maybe not i i don't know i haven't decided so don't judge me guys i don't i don't know what i'm doing yet <laughs> like i don't want to support her but at the same time like i just harry potter is just so like my jam and always has been and i don't know it's it's in a really really weird spot and uh yeah, so I'll have to see how I feel about that when it comes out later. I think it's coming out in the summer. Um, so yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to see what happens with that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then finally, Ghostwire Tokyo is supposed to come out this year, finally, which I, I feel like that's been a couple of years in the making now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one uh, is a Bethesda one. I mean, technically a, a Microsoft game, uh, but will be following the Deathloop formula of coming to the PlayStation 5 uh, and PC with a six month window or one year window. So, um, we'll be on game pass in 2023, but, uh, we'll be on PS five in 2022. So it's another one of those weird ones, but yeah, it looks unique. I, and I mean, here's the thing, like, I mean, January, 2022, obviously there's going to be a lot of experiences, uh, that come out this year that are unique and, and new and fresh, um, that a either not aren't on our radar yet. Cause they haven't like kind of started that. There's a lot of games that I, I, played over the holidays that um are smaller experiences that just dropped um in 2022 like inscription and and death's door those are games that have been in development over the years but like it takes time for those release dates to formulate i mean if you go to we'll link it in the show notes but if you go to there's like a lot of like you know january february and then a couple games throughout the rest of the year and then the rest are just in like 2022 to be announced. yeah just 2022 like who knows <laughs> yeah so there's there's obviously a lot more that's going to come out that hasn't been announced um but yeah ghostwire tokyo i don't think we have a date for that yet but no would, it's just yeah. it's one of the 2022s <laughs> yeah i'm excited for it i i hope it gets good reviews because i think the i think it's that's by the developers that did the evil within maybe i might have be mistaken but i mean they were well received enough but um yeah they weren't really they weren't really my jam but uh i'm i'm looking forward to this one it certainly looks like it is is um heading more in a more interesting direction than the evil within games which were more like resident evil-esque games mm -hmm. yeah and now that they've um like they've re released some footage some gameplay footage of some different enemies and stuff um i think it looks a little bit more interesting because before it looked like there was like one like one type of enemy and that was pretty much it and it was the you know spooky japanese little teenage girl like <laughs> And it was kind of like, okay, if I'm just running from that the whole time, like that's a little bit less interesting, but it looks like um, it's going to be more than that, which is, I think, very cool. So mm -hmm. I'm really, really looking forward to it. But uh, I think that's, is there anything else that we've missed from, from 2022? <laughs> oh, I'm sure there is. Like I even, uh, I, I even had gone through the list and like, I was like, okay, what are the games we need to mention? And I think the only game we haven't mentioned that should be mentioned is Elden Ring finally coming out mm. for those folks that are looking forward to that game. I'm not I think a big... I might try it. I know yeah. it's, I know it's a from game and I know like it's, we've always said like, I don't like Dark Souls and everything else. 
But <laughs> it comes out a week is, after Forbidden West. <laughs> like, I know it does. I know, like, why this timing? Uh, but yeah, like, I know all these things. But I mean, it's a fantasy setting. It it is very much uh, in my wheelhouse. So I think yeah. they might have finally found something that will like make me play one of those games. Um, if that makes sense, is like, yeah, it's just now, and it's something that I I might really want to do. <laughs> yeah, I. I will 100% agree with you there and that it does look uh, from a setting standpoint and Mm -hmm. just its look and feel. uh, It's much more appealing to me than Dark Souls. Like I'm not really uh, into the like sort of grim. Yeah, it was. That was super grim and very like, which I normally am into. But it was. Yeah. Dark Souls just was not my jam for just so many things. So many reasons. But (laughs) this this looks like it might be. It looks like it has like. A little bit of that extra like fantasy stuff if that makes sense like i mean they have like the little the jars or whatever that have um whatchamacallits uh like feet. like feet and they walk around and things and i'm just like you know what i know whatchamacallits i know i'm distracted it's okay no I, I totally understand i think that elden ring is uh it's totally fine i i agree with you in that it is intriguing as like okay yeah we know it's from the dark souls you know Mm -hmm. developers from software but um it doesn't mean that you can't be interested in it i I think that it's it's a game that is is um it's not just dark i i highly doubt it's just dark souls in like a new looking you know coat of paint Mm -hmm. i feel like it is going to be different and it might have like gameplay styles that are very similar um i haven't really i feel like most of the trailers that come out for it have been more like setting than gameplay um Mm -hmm. but it's coming out soon i know there was like a network test that went on last month um and uh yeah i'm looking forward to seeing uh what comes of it i mean especially since it's one of the reasons george r R. R. martin hasn't written that other book that he's been working on for a while (laughs) So uh, it's not the reason. It's not it's the just reason. an excuse. <laughs> I think he did say like I did a little bit like he did some like, you know, napkin work where he just kind of like helped them develop the lore that they had already set up. Like I think he was more doing a consultant role, um, which uh, I don't know if that helps his case for not having the other book done. Like, oh, no, like he just totally lost interest in Game of Thrones. A hundred percent. Like, I, mean, I don't blame <laughs> no if am if ands or buts. Yeah, like, look, I've not written a large novel nor created a a giant uh, world uh, that that is, is, you know, inspired, you know, HBO to spend millions of dollars. So like, I I have not been there yet. So I can't I can't judge him. But uh, yeah, like, I I I agree with you. (laughs) Probably just like, I just want to make video games now. It's fine. So (laughs) which, you know, I'll allow it. it means more cool video games for me to play. So so yeah, Elden Ring's the the last one, and I think uh, I, I think I'm at least gonna give it a chance more more of a chance than I gave a lot of other uh, from software's other stuff. So um, maybe not right away because, like you said, Horizon, but uh, <laughs> definitely at some point in uh, 2022, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I look forward to hearing your thoughts. I I will uh, I will probably let you uh, try that one out. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, So I think that's going to do it for us tonight, you guys. Um, If you want to join the conversation and let us know what you're looking forward to in 2022, head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Um, Other than that, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at JossPlays, Ryan is at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.